There's no in-between when it comes to trusting God, and this is an encouragement for us uh, to trust God in each moment, all right, rather than lean on our own machinations, all right? So, um, this psalm is attributed to Solomon. You can see it says a song of ascents. There's 15 of those, uh, a song of, of Solomon, uh, and it's an aid for us to living in God's will. And even at a glance, if you look at it, it seems very proverb-like, doesn't it? It seems like Solomon might have written it. Um, it seems proverb-like. Uh, it's, um, it's, um, it, it, it sounds like instruction. It sounds like a help. Um, some of our more alert listeners may also go, hey, you know what? Look at that. In vain, um, you build it unless you, uh, the Lord builds it. In vain, you watch unless the Lord builds it. It's vain that you rise up early and you go, that kind of sounds very Solomon-y, doesn't it? It sounds very Ecclesiastes-ish, doesn't it? Vanity of vanity. The problem is they're not the same Hebrew words at all. But, but you at least get the flavor. It's, it kind of reminds you of Solomon, doesn't it? Um, what about this? There's also a kind of a notably cool, perhaps little signature in there of Solomon. Um, in, um, at the end of verse 2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, that may be a reference by Solomon uh, to the name that God gave him. Don't turn, but I'm in 2 Sam uh, 12. It says, David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and she went into her he went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved Solomon and sent a message by Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Jedidiah means beloved, and so um, maybe there's a little signature uh, of, of Solomon in here uh, for the, he gives his uh, beloved sleep. All right. Whatever the case, we need not labor over or preach upon possible context for the psalm too much. It applies immediately to any lover of Yahweh. If you love this God and you want to serve in His will and live in His will and uh, and be and be steadfast in His will and comforted and, and solid and secure in a new year, then submit to this. All right. Let's go to our first point, which is this: vain work. Look at verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. Um, you know, Handel has written a song um, called Nisi uh, Dominus, Nisi Dominus, and it's written off of Psalm 127, and there's actually this, it's written off this Latin phrase, Nisi Dominus uh, Frustra, Nisi Dominus Frustra. You ever heard that? It means, without the Lord, Frustration. That's good advice right there, isn't it? That's worth, that's worth the ticket price right there. Without the Lord, frustration. That's what this passage teaches. Without the Lord, what you're going to get is frustration. Hey, let me ask you a question. What is God's first self-revelation in his word? What's his first self-revelation? The first thing God tells us about himself in the Bible. What is it? Do you know? In the beginning, God created he is a creating, working, making God. That's the first thing he tells us in his printed word. In the beginning, God created. Now, of course, it was only him. We're told that too. Um, but folks, 
we're told that he is a worker, that he's a creator, and he makes us, and now we're workers and creators too. We're image bearers. We'll talk about that more in a second. But uh, we're also told something by that. In the beginning, God created. Um, It means that we are made. We're not the makers. We are made, and we are thus reliant upon God. Nisi dominus frustra. Without the Lord, frustration. He's our maker. Notice what verse 1 of this passage doesn't tell us to do. In verse 1, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It doesn't tell us not to build. It doesn't say, don't labor. That whole let go and let God thing, um, there's there's truth to that little phrase, but uh, it's confusing too. Um, You you know, you think to the, the, the book of James. James says this, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Um, James is not saying that we shouldn't have a five-year plan. James is not saying that we shouldn't buy insurance. James is not saying that we shouldn't be optimistic or that we shouldn't work hard or we shouldn't sweat and toil and try to outdo and be competitive. James is not saying that. Um, The Psalms are not saying that. Uh, It is saying that we cannot forget that God is our maker. We cannot forget that we are simply using the things that God has given us and we're serving and doing these things in order to give back to him uh, the glory that he deserves. Uh, There are plenty of uh, verses that support working hard. How about um, Proverbs 6, 6? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. You just look at the ants. You ever, I don't know about you, but I can't resist a a fire ant mound. Huh? Huh? Anybody like me? I've never been bitten, but I mean, I just get there and I just, I love kicking it over and then watching them go, yeah! I mean, it's astonishing how fast they come out and they start rebuilding and they're moving eggs around, you know, depending on how bad I damage the thing, but uh, it's just a blast. But go to the ant, you sluggard. Hey, you want to hear some other translations? This is great because you can use it on your kids. Um, this is from the Christian Standard Version. Go to the ant, you slacker. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Here's another one. Uh, Christian English version. You lazy people can learn by watching an anthill. Isn't that cool? You're not tracking with me on this? Isn't that exciting? Listen to this one, the God's Word translation. You, uh, consider the ant, you lazy bum. <laughs> well, so we are to work hard. The Scriptures instruct us to work hard. We are to build, but we're only to do it in God's will, for God's glory, remembering that He is the giver. Hey, you know, isn't it cute Dads, when, you know, your little seven-year-old buys you a Christmas present, isn't that cute? They went Target, and they were like, oh, let's get this for your daddy, and that's wrapped up, and, and you get it, and your seven-year-old gives it to you, and you open it up, and you go, well, thank you, how thoughtful of you. <laughs> but, you know, you paid for it. <laughs> the seven-year-old didn't pay for it. The seven-year-old's proud of himself. Oh, look what I got you, Daddy. Sort of mom picked it out, and I'm sort of like, you know, got tucked into it, and so I look pretty good. But, uh, you know, you realize, hey, 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 
I'm the one who gave the seven-year-old the thing to buy me the thing, and he's giving it back to me. Well, guys, um, and by the way, that's, that activity is not so cute when they're 25. <laughs> Look what I got you with, uh, you know, it's only $2,000, and it's, you know. Um, but the point is this, ladies and gentlemen, um, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. God is your maker. He's given you everything. So work hard, do things, create, be an image bearer. But remember, you're a little seven-year-old, and God gave you all that stuff, and it can vanish just like that too. God gave you all that stuff, you're simply giving him back. All right, application for your life. One of the things that drives me absolutely nuts as a worship leader and a musician, a professional musician who works at a church and has done music at a church for a couple of different decades uh, and I work with all kinds of musicians, and there's a million here, artistic people. Um, one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts is when people say, um, well, you know, musicians, um, uh, artists, artists uh, they, they just need to express themselves. You know, they're kind of cuckoo, and uh, they piddle around on all this stuff. And, you know, that's another thing, too, is, you know, making music, it looks like a bunch of screwing around, you know? Uh, I'll, somebody will hear a guitar in my office and they'll be like, oh, good, he's not doing anything. <laughs> he's just in there messing around, you know? And uh, that just drives me nuts. Oh, they just need to express themselves and, you know, got to get it out of their system and, you know, then, then they'll, maybe they'll shut up, these weird artistic people. It is not a desire to express myself. As a Christian man with my eyes made open, you know what it is? It is a deep burning desire to be an image bearer of the God who made me and gifted me. When I create, I'm not, oh, good, I got it out of my system. Let's get ice cream. I want to be an image bearer. I want to, God made me. He's a creating God. In the beginning, God created. And I want to create. And I want to create for his glory and give it back to him. That's what we're doing up here. And that's what we're all supposed to be doing when we go in and gather and worship and sing to God. We're supposed to be giving back, image-bearing, giving back to him the glory that he's due. Friend, that should uh, permeate your thinking. You know, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord, not men, you are serving the Lord Christ. Other translations say, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's a good guide. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Does that not change your idea of work? Hey, some of you have a master's degree and you're at home changing diapers. And there's four of those little things running around. And uh, your work is unseen largely and you wonder what the heck you're doing and why you got that master's degree. Uh, some of you are in a job that is less than your abilities, and you wish you could expand, but you seem to be uh, clamped down at this point, and, and it, it's frustrating to your heart a little bit. Some of you are underestimated in your capabilities. You could be doing more, but, uh, but other people aren't seeing that. And some people have tried and tried and tried to move up the corporate ladder or up the up the financial scale, and, and they've watched their friends do it, but they haven't done it, and it's, it's hard to see, and, and uh, you, you feel like a loser. Friend, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you see that um, 
the corner office and the dirty diaper are the same thing? Do you see that? That there's value in all your labors? If you're an image bearer of God, then what you do matters. What you do has value. You know, you're resembling God. You're giving back what he's given you. And in this stage of life, this is what you have. So in this stage of life, you give it on back. And you remember that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. All right, second point, vain security. Um, Second part of verse 1, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Same principle applies. We're not told to not watch over the city. Um, and we're not, uh, we're not told to not look both ways before we cross the street. I mean, we can trust God, but look both ways before we cross the street, and it's fine. And by the way, if you want some political social commentary, it's apparently okay to have watchmen. Lest the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's not saying don't have watchmen that stay awake. It says it's okay to have watchmen that stay awake. Um, and by the way, here's some more social commentary. Look at the very end of verse 5. He shall not be, this, the father with lots of sons, uh, children, shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Where do you find a gate? In a wall. Where do you find a door? In a house. Where do you find a gate? In a wall. So there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that the scriptures say about preventing a wall. Nothing. It's not, it's not anti-biblical to think about a wall. If you do, have to, if you do want to throw out a wall, then you've got to cut out the entire book of Nehemiah, which is a bad idea. The point is this. Do you want security in your home? Yes. Do you want security in your finances? Yes. Do you want security in your future? Yes. Well, it is not in your hands ultimately, though it is good to take sensible steps. And yet it is not in your hands ultimately. You are utterly reliant upon God in all things, and your life should reflect that reality. Again, our main point, your heart either puts things in God's hands or not. So you should plan. You should work. You should invest. You should buy insurance. If you like, you can buy a 357 Magnum. Um, you should lock your doors at night. You should not leave your purse in Clearview in your car in the uh, parking lot at Marshall's. You know, use a little bit of sense, but you should not forget that the Lord does whatever pleases him in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all their depths. That's Psalm 135, verse 6. God's in control of it all. All right, next point. Same theme. Uh, vain worry. Uh, look at verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, uh, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Remember what it's not saying. It's not saying, hey, uh, rising up early is a bad idea and going to bed uh, late is a bad idea. It's not saying that. You can do that. You can do that. You can, you can maximize your time and dig your heels in and make a difference. It's all right to do that. But it's wrong to do that if you're eating the bread of anxious toil, worrisome toil. It's vain for you to do that. You, you rise up early, you go, to late, uh, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. You know, you've heard me say this before, Jim Wimloff original quote, um, 
if you um, go to bed thinking about it and wake up thinking about it, you may have just identified your God. You know, some things can just grip you and just hold your life in this, in this cycle that you can't break out of. That, 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 that's, anxious, that's anxious toil. Um, it, it's bad for you. You should note uh, the centerpiece of this is, is anxious toil. And I, I, want you to, I want to be very sensitive. I'm not talking about anxiety disorder. I, I want to be sensitive to that. Some people have anxiety disorder. And um, I also want to say, don't think I'm one of these guys that are going, oh, all drugs are bad. Oh, uh, you should never take a drug. That's ridiculous. That's a, that's a, medicine is a gift from the Lord. Uh, physicians are a gift from the Lord. MRIs are a gift from the Lord. Colonoscopies are a gift from the Lord. We're living in a very blessed time. Um, so, but I'm not talking about anxiety disorder, even though this does play into that too. Um, I, want to be, I want to be careful with that. But what I'm saying here is this, that if we're anxious in our labors... And we're trying to grab on to control, 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 and not step off and trust the bungee rubber band of God's care. That's not a very eloquent statement, but uh, you get the idea. Um, If we're not doing that, it's bad for us. Um, Here's a good quote from a guy named John Phillips. He says, "Um, when we have worried, we have not changed the situation at all. It is still there. All we have done is decrease our ability to cope with it. <laughs> Application for your life. You know, just like stepping out into the abyss, trusting the rubber band to catch you in a bungee jump or the parachute to save you when you jump out of a plane, just like that, friend, you can unhook your train car from anxiety. You can do it. I'm not talking about anxiety disorder that has you trapped. I'm saying that in the general, the general things that we feel and experience, we all feel anxiety, we all feel angst, uh, we all feel things pressing down on us, we all feel overwhelmed. What I'm saying to you is in the moment you can exercise trust and you can say, God, I'm going to pull out the pin of this train car and I'm going to trust you. And if, and, if you don't, and if you can't feel like you can do that, you can pray about it. You can say, Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I got the, I don't have the power with my, in myself. I'm asking you for the grace to give me faith. Give me the gift of faith that I might take this thing, pull out the pin, and trust you. And when you do that, away goes anxiety, and separation comes between you and it, and you go into peace. That's a lesson from this passage, friend. Um, If you've picked up anything from these first three points, uh, might it be that to work in your power and to watch in your own defense and to worry over that which is not in your control is vanity. It is vanity. It is not, trust it, put it bluntly, it's stupid. The problem is that... uh, even though we're all 100% guilty and we slip into it again and again and again, uh, it, 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 those things are recurring. Um, it is moment by moment by moment by moment, situation by situation. Pray, God, I trust you now in this. And if you can't pray, God, I trust you now in this, then pray for the gift of faith that you may trust God in this moment.
All right, last point. That which fills the house and city. Now, when you read this psalm, you go, oh, the first two verses, wow, so applicable. And then all of a sudden it seems to go, and it's talking about children are a heritage from the Lord and the womb and a quiver full of kids. And, and you go, well, you know, some people think that this wasn't even part of, supposed to be part of the same psalm. And um, I'll tell you, that's, that's only because they're not thinking like a many millennia old Jew. They're not thinking, they're not thinking in, with Jewish thought. First of all, uh, you look at the two sections. I know there are five verses, but really it's six stanzas, okay? They're, they're evenly matched. The, the first two verses are a hunk, and the last three verses are a hunk, and the, 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 they're evenly matched. There's also some stuff like wordplay, um, and I don't want to eat up our time too much, but and I think I brought this thing. Yeah. You know, in, in, in poetry, and, and, and the Psalms are poetry. They're, notice how they're written differently than a, than a an historical narrative. An historical narrative is this starts here and this happened and these people here. But here it's written like poetry, and it's written that way on purpose. This is, it's supposed to be presented this way. Um, and so, you know, in, in poetic verse, we sang a song a couple months ago. It's, a, it's just a good example of that. Um, Father, the ver, first verse goes, Father, bend to me. Help me in my dreary doubt. So dreary doubt, you got D, D, dreary doubt. The next verse says, uh, refresh me, cheer my often hollow heart. Uh, the last verse says, um, what is it? Oh, yeah, Christ, come back to the aching earth. You know, so you've got dreary doubt, hollow heart, aching earth, and then the, the chorus goes, uh, give me the clarity of Calvary. Well, clarity of Calvary has a kind of a, kind of a poppy thing to it, and that, that's part, part of poetry, is not only maximizing the meaning of a language, but taking things about that language that kind of connect and, 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 and just con- connect to the, to the human spirit in a unique way. Well, here, it, it, um, the, the Hebrew word for builders, all right, and you don't find the exact word builders in here, uh, but you have building and laboring and, and, and all that, but uh, bonim is builders, and then in verse 3, behold, children are heritage, offspring, banim, bonim, and banim. So if, if, a, if a Jew were reading this, they'd go, oh, that's, that's clever. They've got a little wordplay thing here because you've got builders, and then you've got offspring, bonim, banim. There's kind of a little thing going on. All right? Here's another thing. Um, and you can tell by my sermon point that you, I think this uh, vividly connects. Friends, children are a heritage from the Lord. Guys, the foundation of a society is the family. And the foundation of the family is the mommy and the daddy. I mean, that a mommy and a daddy are together, that you got a husband and a wife and a man and a woman, and they have procreated and they made children. That's the foundation of society. And so when a Jew sees this and they go, okay, um, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Who fills the house? Families. Um, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Um, who fills the city? Families. <laughs> um, what about verse 2? Uh, anxious toil and so on. It affects the families. It affects the people. Um, and so children are a heritage uh, of the Lord, fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children or sons of one's youth. 
Uh, Blesses a man whose quiver is full of him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Uh, different time, agrarian culture. Uh, lots of dudes means safety, labor, help, taking care of mom, uh, and all that kind of stuff. All right. I'll close with this. I, um, in 2018, met a total stranger. And uh, it was a woman. And she came into our church. She wandered in. Um, I was the only pastor here, and so I met with her. Uh, it was lunchtime. And uh, her husband was having an affair, and uh, I talked to her about that, and we, we talked and talked and talked, and, and, and at the end of it, I said, I really need to meet your husband. And uh, she said, I don't know if he'll come in. Well, he did. He came in. And uh, he was in the middle of an adulterous affair, um, involved in his church, pillar of the community, well-respected in business. Uh, he didn't think that... I, I didn't even know his last name or her last name. Uh, I was able to uh, figure a couple things out, and I know exactly who he is now. But, um, um, you know, he's just prided himself on being the pillar of, of the community. Some of you might even know who this person is. Adulterous affair. And uh, he goes on to tell me this long story that took 40 minutes uh, and I mean, long, dramatic, exciting story about this and about this altercation that took place. And there was a, an attempted strangling in this thing and a triangulated relationship and all this crazy stuff goes on and fisticuffs and all that. And, um, and uh, well, thank you very much. And, um, <laughs> and uh, he, it's this long, dramatic story. And he's like, mm, he gets to the end. I'm like, oh, really? Wow, wow. And that blood, spurting blood, wow, you know. And he gets to the end of it, and he goes, well, so... And, uh, you know, i got to see if there's any kids in here. Too small. No? Any teeny children? Ah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Well, I won't tell you exactly what I told him. But, but, I, but I will say this. I said, fascinating story. Wow. Strangulation. <laughs> wow. Completely irrelevant. You took your thing, and you did a thing with the thing. And nothing will change the fact that you are an adulterer, that you are out of God's will, and that you won't be okay, and your family won't be okay, and you will leave a swath of destruction because you're selfish, sinful denial of God being in charge, period. And uh, he didn't like that. And um, uh, the divorce was made final not long ago. Friend, you either step off and trust God or you don't. There's, there's, it's, it's very black and white. I'm not saying that all of our actions aren't alloyed. They are. But when it comes to moment by moment by moment by moment, living in faith, you're either trusting God in that moment or you're trying to just grip it, grip it, grip it, and keep control of yourself. My advice to you is remember that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Let's pray. Lord, um, you are our maker. We are your creation. Uh, everything we have, you've given us, you've gifted us, and then we get to create, and we get to bear image, and we get to give back to you what you've given us, and we glory in that, Lord. We rejoice and uh, we pray, Father, uh, I pray, we pray that you would give us the grace 
uh, that you would give us the gift of faith that we might trust you and then trust you again and trust you again. Help us, Lord. Might, might it be a hallmark for us in, in 2019 that we would find ourselves being a people who are moving moment by moment by moment in trust, in real, real faith, real, real consideration of each event that we face. Might you do that, Lord, for your glory? Might you do it for our good, for our joy in you? And we pray it in Jesus' name only. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Hey, if you can help the Lockhearts, maybe just come up and see if you get rejected.